Why do we fear the dark? It's as natural as the light. It's from darkness that we first emerge, and it is to darkness that we all must return. Half our lives we spent in the dark, save that small percentage of our species occupying those distant places where days and weeks can go by with the sun refusing to rise or set. In those places, nightfall comes more like an act of mercy than the mournful drop of a curtain. Trying to go to sleep when the clocks read midnight, but the sun is shining like noon, is an act of madness we do not advise. There are those among our number who love the dark, who rejoice in night and shadow with the giddy abandon of pagans. These take the night as custom, as ornamentation, as armor. So armed, they sally forth into the bleakness with voices raised in praise, in prayer. Polite society shies away from such folk as our ancestors did the creatures of the night, who seem to arrive born on the back of the devil's ill winds. Perhaps this is the reason, then. We fear the dark because we've been trained to, through all the centuries of stories and legends that warn of the evils to be found when the night settles over and the world goes silent, save for those that hunger and that lurk. We fear the dark because the reason it was apes who learned to walk upright was due not to genetic predisposition or the hand of some divine thought compelling brain cells to shift in certain ways, but because those apes understood the importance of being afraid. When the great cats howled with their furious hunger, the sound echoing off the cave walls, when the sky shook and broke with terrible force, when terrible lizards slithered free from their hiding places in which they had rode out extinction and sated their sharp, sharp teeth on soft, warm flesh. It all served as proof that monsters were very real, and the only way to survive in a world so plagued was to be very, very afraid. And there have always been monsters. And so we have always been afraid. Or perhaps it is that first bit we mentioned, that knowledge that from dark we came and to the dark we must go, alone, both ways. Because yes, there are monsters all throughout the world and all throughout your life but monsters can be dealt with. Dragons can be slain, and I hear the big bad wolf makes an excellent cape if you cut and treat the fur just right. Humans, strange naked apes that we are, have a way of coming together and finding our way out of most any jam. We can defeat anything together if we put our minds to it. But not this. Most of us come into this world alone, and alone we must leave it. No bonds of fellowship can stop this. No invention or trick can cheat it out. There will come a day, maybe this very one, 
when all the fences are stripped away and it was only you, yourself, in the vast, engulfing dark. But it is unlikely enough that it will be today. So enjoy the sun. Enjoy what light there is to be had. Perhaps even enjoy the dark, for you undoubtedly have friends and family who will be happy to share with you in this mystery, this terror. But do not ever think to face the dark alone. Don't talk, just listen. Mustafa was being pulled into the water by a 
the carnivore, with fangs latched onto his throat and spilling gouts of blood into the black water. And then she pulled him beneath the surface without so much as a ripple. There could be no coming back from that. Terry's only meager prayer was that Mustafa had passed out from shock and blood loss, then slipped quickly and easily from this paralysis into the last long and deep dream. He hated to think of Mustafa's suffering, of being forced to linger on the side of life when tethered there only by agony and a stubborn refusal to fall into forever. He checked behind him once more. Even as his pace had gotten quicker, the horror had sped up as well. They were so close you could hear their rasping moans of hunger and anticipation, the quick intakes of breath as they struggled to contain their lust for the succulence of his flesh. It would be easy. It would be quick. He didn't even have to do anything, not really. Just relax for just a moment. Pause, and the wave would crash over him and sweep him into calm oblivion, where there is no fear, no pain, no uncertainty. But Mustafa had not been the only stubborn bastard in their strange little family. There was a reason, Terry reflected, that they had gone along so well. His legs burned in the hours of charging blindly forward, his own breath caught in leaves while his heart pounded against his ribs with such intensity that Terry could barely hear his own thoughts. And that moan got ever louder, and the creatures drew ever closer. When he looked back once more, arms tipped with clawed hands reached from the void to embrace him, only just barely missing the fabric of his shirt. The thousand mouths moaned and purred loosing pools of drool that bubbled and broke as they dripped into the surrounding black water. Now that he had set his mind against it, it seemed unfathomable to Terry he would die this way. He'd been through too much, survived too much, for this to be the reward waiting at the end of the rainbow. He'd earned so much more than this. But then, we all feel that way. We all feel like we have too much left to do to accept something so petty as death interrupting our plans. But it makes no matter. Death is always there, always just out of sight. You'll be going along your way, minding your own business, quietly securing your casual belief in your own immortality. And it is then that death slips beneath your feet and trips you up all your best laid plans come a-tumbling down. And so it was with Terry, for quite out of nowhere his foot caught and he was suddenly tripping, suddenly falling, suddenly staring up at the force of clutching clawed hands rising towards him out of the dark. Their claws did not reach his skin. Their teeth did not pierce his flesh. 
Terry opened his eyes to find the horde frozen just inches away. Nose slits tensing and open mouths quivering upwards in his direction. Upwards, yes. As Terry took stock of his sudden state of still being alive somehow, what the hell, he realized that he had not actually fallen very far, for it felt like steps had caught and now held him. The pale horde seemed to have run into some kind of invisible barrier they could not cross, though they pawed at the open air in the meager inch that separated them from Terry. Terry scrambled to his feet, not wanting to lose whatever time advantage he could get before the pale creatures found their resolve or found some other way around whatever imposition was positioned between them and their prey. But as he climbed, slowly and carefully, one step at a time, Terry saw that the creatures were making no effort to follow him. Their open mouths traced his climb, just as flowers are known to bend and turn as the gold sun passes overhead. But they made no move to breach the stairs. Some of the back of the horde even disappeared back beneath the surface of the water, sliding away as smooth as a knife drawn across velvet. Soon when Terry looked back and down, all he could make out was a single nebulous blob of pale skin with only the slightest indication of movement. Shortly thereafter, even this faint view was gone and there was once more nothing but dark below and dark above and endless darkness all around. Yet this staircase, whatever it was and wherever it led, was different even from the miles of midnight country that he and Mustafa, and here his eyes grew wet and his heart ached so much so that Terry had to stop and brace himself on the next set of steps had traversed together. While walking with Mustafa, Terry had sensed that the ground, whatever it was, beneath them, sometimes climbed and sometimes slanted. He'd also had the feeling that at times, they walked through larger chambers or tighter spaces, though the source of these feelings was unknown, given the unchanging purity of the dark realm. On the stairs, there was always the sensation of climbing. He had to take many breaks, for his muscles burned and his head swam with dizziness if he broke from his established rhythms. Terry normally had no fear of heights. Having weaned himself free of that particular phobia during his time soaring between and over the buildings of the city beneath the black sun, when his back was heavy with wings and his mouth was full of fangs. Back before he had been returned to this weak and petty human, with their fragile bodies and oh-so-vulnerable hearts. First Mike, now Mustafa. He paused again, only this time it had nothing to do with exhaustion. His only true friend in the world, evaporated by a bullet. His guardian, the person who had taught him how to be a person again, who had believed in him when there was no reason to, no sense to, he had done it anyway, and for his kindness, Mustafa had been exiled into a nightmare world and left to drown with cold black water all around him and his own blood filling his throat. It's me, was the only conclusion Terry could arrive at. He liked to say he didn't know why that would be, but he knew. It was the same reason he'd been turned into a gargoyle. The same reason some dread intelligence had reached between worlds and reshaped him into a monster.
because he already was a monster. Because there was something wrong with him. Something encoded into the building blocks of his being that set him apart as other, unlovable, wretched, fighting against this, denying it, would only keep gang people hurt and worse. At least there are no people here for him to hurt, right? He poked his head over the edge of the step and tried to imagine how far down the ground that was. How much higher could it go? The stairs could climb as high as any mountain for all he knew. Higher even. Why not? What was there to stop it? Nothing. And who was to say the stairs wouldn't just climb and climb until they either peered out into open air or his strength gave out and Terry collapsed to the stairs, the forever night slowly leeching the skin from his corpse until all that was left would be a collection of bones bound in faded clothing. He couldn't think like that. Flat terrain had given way to water. Water had given way to these stairs. Whether he could see it or not, there was a progression. Muscles groaning with the effort, Terry drew himself up and continued to climb. And indeed, there was a change. It got much harder. Till then, the stairs had climbed in a very straight ahead manner, one step logically following the next. Only now, the stairs began to shift and turn. At first, the pivots were almost unnoticeable, a subtle winding that only boredom and Terry's close attention noted. But soon the steps were twisting and turning in nonsensical directions, as if Terry was trying to walk along the back of a snake that was eating its own tail. Where does this go? Terry wondered, pausing at the sound of his own voice. Had he meant to speak out loud? Everything was numb, from his legs to his arms, including his face, and he had not felt his lips move. The dark gave no answers, and so he went on. The stairs continued to wind and twist, growing further and further apart as Terry went. He had to pause on each step and feel his way to the next, clutching blindly at nothing until landing on something firm, slowly climbing to his next perch, and then going through the process all over again. He came to a stop only when the rain began to fall again, downpours of water that almost shocked him into toppling from his precarious position on the step. Terry steadied himself, then lowered his body to a sitting position on the stair, letting the rain soak through his clothes. He tilted his head back as far as he dared and let the water, what he sure hoped was water, collect in his mouth and throat. He wrung more water out of his shirt, this being just barely enough to begin to pack down the flames of hunger and dehydration that had been growing in his gut all the time he had been climbing. He sat and soaked. Not that there was much else he could be doing. The stairs had finished at last, or at the very least the next step was so far out of reach that it might as well not exist. Then again, for all Terry knew, the next step was only a fraction of an inch out of his reach, taunting and teasing his searching hands. The more Terry thought about it, the more sure he was that this was the truth. The next step was there, just there, and if someday someone were to voyage into this dark place 
with lights and lanterns had come across this spot, they would discover a small collection of bones wrapped in faded clothing, and then they would hold the lantern aloft like in movies and see just how close he had come to salvation. Why, if he had only reached that little bit further, he would have been saved, this bold explorer would remark to their kid sidekick. And look, the door out is right there as well. Horrible to think he got so close, but was still so far. Terry let the rain strike his back and did not care. The replenishing water had only cleared his head enough for him to fully countenance how truly and totally fucked he really was. Great. Always a fun bit of self-awareness, that is. Maybe after a rest he would find a pep back in his step and figure something out, though he had no idea what that something could possibly be. It was the end of the road. Or, it sure seemed like it. Terry supposed that everyone at some point came to such a place, and maybe he should count himself lucky that he had reached it on his own terms, with clear eyes and an upheld head. Most people were not so fortunate. Later, he decided. Later for all that, for now, he was content to sit and let the rain fall. He might have sat like that forever. But then the gods came. They came marching in single glowing file, a procession of living manifestations of the sources of all creations. Bigger than buildings, no, bigger than entire cities, no, bigger than entire worlds, yes, yes, it seemed to Terry that this was true of the greatest in their number. Their footfalls churn up atoms that explode into galaxies, loosened particles flying away at a billion million miles spreading seeds of life as their own particulate dissipated into nothingness. Hallelujah. Sing praise. Sing praise. Not all the gods were so mighty. Some trudged on four legs, or six, or more, looking more like massive insects or shuffling beasts than true creators. The rain struck drum beats along their thick hides, and the groans and moans that leaked from between their fangs and out their snouts would not have been out of place in a barnyard. But when these drew even with Terry, prone and terrified on his single step adrift in infinity, their eyes occupied the entire horizon, and he saw within these blazing intelligence and understanding beyond even the wisest mortal. He saw disinterest, humor, curiosity, but also flashes of rage and hunger, and some of the eyes glittered with scarlet madness, a lunatic malevolence that could be possessed only by the most insane minds. Terry tried to count their number, but it did no good. There were gods who looked human, yes, but there were gods so gone from the human shape that Terry could scarcely describe what shape it was that they did have. 
Some strode on tentacle stalks, like seaweed unmoored from the ocean floor and pacing across the surface world. Others flickered and shone, seeming at first to be a hundred different pieces of impermanence before their motion coalesced together and Terry saw the true face shimmering and flowing like conscious liquid. And still the gods marched on. By their glowing, Terry could at last make out some details of the twilight world he had staggered across. He saw the rippling reflections that he could only assume was a strange body of water where he had lost Mustafa. Beyond that, in the distance, the glowing of the gods illuminated a dead city of medieval make, but the city was not just dead. It was mutated somehow, as if either its inhabitants or some weird life within the very stones had continued to build it outwards. Towers of stones rose in jagged columns to the forsaken sky, and thin lines climbed away from the city proper in winding, curved roads ever upwards. They almost looked like. Terry gulped and looked down. In the godlight, he could trace the path of the stairs he occupied down towards the rippling reflection and then across the weird plains he and Mustafa had crossed before that, back to the broken city where this staircase had sprung. Like an untended weed, the dead castle had spread. Terry turned from where the staircase began and towards where it led. There was another stair, only a little beyond his reach, and another. After that, he fucking knew it! Higher up, but not too much higher up, there's an outcropping of polished stone. And beyond that, the glow only extended so far, and the procession was thinning out and taking the best light with it. The way Terry saw it, he had two choices. Use the remaining light to rush back down to the water, see if there was a different path away from the staircase, and take his chances with the pale creatures. It wasn't exactly appealing, he could admit, but at least these were all known quantities. Or, he could continue up, but for all he knew, that outcropping was the permanent end of this particular line. And if he got up there and found nothing, and the godlike faded down to nothing, then he would be stranded with no way back down and no hope of ever progressing any further. Besides, he would need to haul himself up step after step, jumping and swinging all the way. Did he really have the strength for such an undertaking? He barely had the strength to stand. Of course, there was always option C. Sit down. Surrender. Eventually, he would lose consciousness, either from exhaustion or hunger or dehydration if the rain never started up again. And then he would slip off the step and fall. And fall. And fall until very suddenly he stopped falling. Terry supposed that in the event of this eventuality, he would not have time or mind to be afraid. That wasn't so bad. And who knows? Maybe you wake up to find Mike and Mustafa in some bright and warm place, and it would rush 
to take him in their arms and tell him that all his worries and all his woes had been for nothing. He could relax. He could be at peace. He wouldn't have to fight anymore. It's not like he had any fight left, right? Right? It would be foolish to prolong the inevitable, to prolong his own suffering because of some silly hope and petty chance, right? Terry watched the last of the gods trundle on into infinity and thought of something Mustafa had said only moments before he died. Sometimes a chance is all you get, and that's if you're lucky. Most aren't. The rest is up to you. So come on. Terry heard Mustafa's voice, as clear as if the man was speaking right beside him. Saw his brilliant white grin, just the same as if the man was right in front of him. Get up. The light was fading, yeah. But even if faded light was enough. Terry braced himself and jumped. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of Black Sun Dispatches, part of the Cinepunk Podcast Network. My name is Brent Foley, and I write, record, and produce the show. Black Sun Dispatches is only one of many great shows offered by Cinepunks. You can also listen to, uh, well, Cinepunks, Loud Fast Philly, Horror Business, The Mandate, Wine and Cheese. There's also tons of great writing available on Cinepunks' website that you should definitely take the time to check out. Uh, we just last week published an article about The Spear of the Beehive, which is a great, great Spanish film that helped inspire uh, Pan's Labyrinth, along with many other things. It's a really great essay about that film. So, stop what you're doing, check it out, read something. God. Uh, if you uh, would like to sponsor Cinepunk's programming, including the show, uh, please visit our Patreon. Uh, and our current sponsor is Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, uh, which you can hit up for all your clothing needs. Uh, well, not all your clothing needs. I mean, I guess you could buy everything you need there. Um, you may want to diversify a little bit. You may don't, don't just want novelty t-shirts that you design and create yourself, but that's, you know, that's up to you. I'm not going to judge your fashion. I'm not that guy. Um, so I hope you guys will join me uh, for in a couple weeks for our next episode. Uh, let's see. We're going on February 11th and February 25th are the next two. Uh, Black Sinus Patch's logo was designed by Jennifer Rogers, and the music is Winter by E.L. Heath. Uh, so like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed these first two episodes in this little mini-series, and I hope you'll join us for the next two, the concluding two, uh, in February. And if you didn't like it, uh, that's between you and your God. And frankly, you both suck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at the, at Black Sun Show. You can follow me on Twitter at the true Brendan F. That's at Black Sun Show. That's at the true Brendan F for updates clues, uh, news, weird things that I just feel like retweeting sometimes. Uh, so yeah, so like I said, I hope you guys like this episode. I hope you listen to the next few. Uh, and please tell your friends when you, or, or your enemies if you want to like, you know, build some bridges or if you want to punish them with fear, I guess. Again, your life. I'm not in charge of it. I just make podcasts that you listen to, presumably. 
All right, that's enough. Goodbye.